Hello and welcome to Climate Cheesecake. I'm Sankar, an educator and a volunteer with the Herpetological Society of Singapore, a group dedicated to the conservation and study of reptiles and amphibians in our lovely island. Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. So, uh, Rachel, you and me last time we used to be in NUS together, right? Yeah, we studied we studied environmental biology to, together. Yeah, life yeah, science. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's good time. So, I think the nice thing about this course is that it had a ton of your work, a shit ton of your work. Super a lot. And that's like kind of the best the best thing about studying environmental bio. Absolutely. You. Yeah. You, just, you just get to spend so much time in the forest yeah. and and you also feel like you're earning your grade. Exactly. So, that, that was great. Yeah. Uh, but then, but then uh, <laughs> uh, I think one of the most memorable experiences I've, I've had because like you know because you're spending so much time in the forest right uh, you have to do night surveys for example yeah, right? yeah, so sometimes yeah. we'll go into a forest uh, of course with a permit at night yeah. uh, and then you know you come out at 11pm soaking in sweat covered in mud exactly and, and of course you wouldn't have found the animal that you were looking for in the first place yeah. right uh, so that's like maybe like a pangolin or something right so yeah. let's say I'm like tracking pangolins I, I, I walk through the entire forest I won't see a single thing I come out and of course I call a grab, go back home. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Uh, hey, the uncle will of course be wondering how come there's this. Weird... They will be always so confused. <laughs> They'll just be like, "What are these kids doing in the middle of the night, like with like weird ass equipment sometimes as covered well, in like mud. Yeah, covered yeah, yeah. in mud and like maybe a leaf <laughs> stuck on the side of your freaking face or something." And just be like, oh, "Where are you going?" <laughs> and you'll yeah. be like, "I'm going home," but then the uncle will be like awkwardly like. What are you doing? What are you doing? Just <laughs> yeah, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, you know, you invariably have to tell them, like, oh yeah, I was I was tracking uh, we were doing some field work. Yeah, maybe yeah. we were looking for a particular XYZ animal, right? Yeah. And then the weird thing is, right, all these uncles, like these 60-year-old uncles, they'll always be like, Oh, that one, uh, last time when I was in the kampong, got a lot, eh, just come across <laughs> our front yard. And it's just like, you know, here we are working our asses off trying to find this animal, and then a taxi yeah. uncle is telling you that you know. Do I've seen millions it, of those? Yeah, this like everywhere. It's like in front of my yeah. front door. Yeah, and that, that to me is like um a very is is funny, but at the same it's like time, sad at the it's, same yeah. time. It's very bitter. I never I never had an uncle tell me they've seen like a particular animal before or or whatever. But they always just tell me, oh, you know, the forest was just outside. Yeah. It was just kind of there. Yeah. It was part of their everyday. It wasn't like, oh, today I saw a forest. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was you didn't have like to that. go to the forest. Exactly. You, were, you were in the forest. It was just kind of there. It was yeah. part of everyday. It was nothing special. And yeah. not that there's nothing special about forest, but it's kind of nice that it wasn't special. It was mundane. And yeah, that's exactly. beautiful in a way. Exactly. Yeah. I, think, I think for me, that's like a, a theme that you see quite regularly across Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Southeast Asia is like probably the best place to see Any, biodiversity. Everything. It's just yeah. amazing. You have all these yeah. you know, tropical broadleaf rainforest, you mm-hmm. have montane ecosystems, mm-hmm. you have karst. All the way up, all the way down and like from yeah. like hot, like karst ecosystems to like very soft, like maybe a seagrass or whatever. Oh, you yeah, know like what marine mean? ecosystems. Exactly. There's yeah. nothing like Southeast Asia yeah. for all these kinds of flora and fauna mm. uh, but I guess as a function of that because of that you mm. you see this unprecedented rate of biodiversity loss as well yeah exactly because like for, for every there's all this pressure right I guess to to make use of, of your natural habitats to do whatever you know humans want to do and then for every like square kilometer or like square meter you want to use for something for something you're losing that much more you know compared to like a temperate landscape or, or anywhere else you know yeah yeah exactly and, and I guess 
no matter where you go in Southeast Asia, especially if you're going to a urbanizing area, you're going to mm, see mm. people who, you know, don't remember seeing as much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they may not see as much biodiversity as they remember seeing exactly. once upon a time. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that it's anecdotal, of course, but it is part of, it is something that has been empirically observed. It's something that we can see in the data that there's declines like never before across Southeast Asia. We're like in the sixth extinction and like Southeast yeah. Asia is like we're right at the center of it. Yeah, yeah. Is, it like, well, is it the highest in, in, in the whole world? Like, it's, it's, yeah, it is. It's definitely right, like one it. of the... Yeah. yeah. So it's... I, I think uh, it would be nice to look at what are the drivers of this, mm. uh, ha- like, you know, this biodiversity loss. What are the... What, what does it mean to the average person as well? You know, yeah. why, why should they care about you know, yeah, some Yeah, I think so too. Because like, it's just an animal, right? Yeah. Or like, you know, especially, you know, I think, I think the regular listener will be like, uh, you know, I saw this scientist like, Getting sad because an ant got extinct. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they'll be like, why, 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 should, why should they care? Over an insect, you know, that kind of thing. But I think biodiversity is so much more. There, there are all these sentiments about like rewilding your earth, about biodiversity being the cornerstones of why habitats are so important and how they're functioning and all that. And I think it's important for us to look at that and also see why, you know, all these drivers need to be managed or, or just, you know, regulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah and absolutely. understood better. So I think a good place to start when mm. we're talking about this is to look at those drivers, like yes. you said, right? So yeah. uh, in Southeast Asia, and I think we covered this to some extent in our yeah. past few episodes, yeah, one of yeah. the, I mean, the biggest threat to mm. biodiversity is habitat loss. 100%. Yeah. It's literally like, dude, my house got stepped on by like a titan. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, habitat loss. Habitat loss. Habitat loss. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the biggest drivers of that habitat loss is definitely, you know, plantations. So you have stuff like your palm oil, rubber, and, you know, pulp. People always need forests for things. People have depended on forests for for a lot of livelihood stuff for a long time. It doesn't make sense not to go back to there. But then, but then once you're changing the habitat, you're losing, you know, all these special places that, that not just your animals, like animals that rely on like specific plants need. Um, yeah. To, mm-hmm. And you're just losing all of that special stuff and you never get to see them the anymore. The ecosystem because, services that come along with these, with exactly, these habitats as well, you're yeah. completely losing out on that. And so. it's not just like forests, right? It's it's all the different types of um, uh, habitats that we brought up just now in yeah. Southeast Asia. There's yeah, a like variety. Yeah, karst ecosystems. Exactly. So karst ecosystems especially is really interesting to me mm. because uh, what, what what is karst? Why don't you explain? You've been to a karst I've ecosystem. I've been to a karst. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't even know if people... So karst is spelled K-A-R-S-T. Yeah. 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 So okay, tell it's me like more a, about the casting. I went there before, and funnily enough, I didn't realize that I went there with like one of our co-hosts, Movin, yeah. and he just reminded me. Uh-huh. But it's 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 we went we went to Sulawesi when we were undergrads, and we went to this place, uh, where it would it when you go there, it just kind of looks like a, a lot of rocks with like a lot of different like patterns on it yeah. because you don't really understand and all that kind of stuff but a cast correct me if I'm wrong it's it's a life a limestone, limestone yeah. um habitat and it's and it's and there's a lot of geological geological history behind it and how it's formed and I remember specifically going like climbing up um this whole this like I guess I don't know what you call it, a mountain but I was climbing up and then we went to like kind of like a cave kind of thing and then you could see on the walls like there were barnacles there and then that kind of indicated you know the all this used to be underwater. Yeah, all in this the, sea, the yeah. entire time I was climbing that used to be underwater <laughs> because the barnacles kind of indicate the the old um, sea level um, sea level yeah, in the yeah. past. And yeah, so it's like this really unique ecosystem. It's super that- unique. It's not found. It's only found where 
Uh, it's it's found in various degrees all yeah, around the world. Yeah, but it's not. But, but the it's one not, in Southeast Asia yeah. is really unique. Yeah, and it's why is it unique? So um, there's a lot of studies, and for mm. me as a like uh, mm. herpetologist, right? Like, mm. what's interesting to me about these cars is just the crazy amount of hyper endemism. That means mm. the animals that you find inside these mm. caves mm. can't even be found in the same country outside those caves. They are right. hyper endemic. That means you cannot find them anywhere else in the entire like, world. Like, is it like say if I have one car system and then I have one one cave here and then another cave there but it can be you completely different. You have two different. different species in each of those caves and they just don't intermingle. That's so cool because as in and, be, and that's because of the microhabitats that are just formed in Precisely. every single like when you go to the rocks there are like all this like holes and puddles of yeah. like with rainwater and, and they're just and finding so many species of geckos and frogs yeah. and, and is it because of the the chemistry of the rocks? The I, I think it's more kind of stuff? like the fact that they are completely isolated from right, right. Oh very, yes, very exactly. hard to get to, right? Yeah, the, yeah, when you go there, it's not easy to walk. Yeah. through it. Yeah, because yeah. it's 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 just so um like in in Corus, you talk about rugosity. Yeah, yeah, it's inaccessible. That's yeah. the right. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean these karst ecosystems that are so wonderful that uh, play home to so much different kinds of biodiversity. Right, mm. they are threatened really badly by mining. Right, mm. uh, the same limestone that we're talking about mm. is what we use to make concrete. Mm. Right, so as society, especially in Southeast Asia and Asia, as we develop, uh, we urbanize. There's a greater and greater demand for concrete. Yes. Right. So yes. these karst ecosystems get uh, overexploited. Yes. Right? And the limestone gets completely, you know, removed, and you're yeah. losing. Species that you don't even know you have before these species can be described. Some of them have not even been discovered properly, yeah, right? Never yeah. been discovered, never been described. Mm. And they just get completely lost because the entire habitat is just uh, <laughs> brought down yeah. to the ground in rubble, right? Yeah. yeah. So these are like mining, I think, is one of the lesser talked about. Uh, yeah, I think people know deforestation, people know habitat loss Habi- yeah, in, that, know. in that in that in that extent. But that's kind of where the conversation ends, you know. I mean it's not that it's not that it's not important, but mm-hmm. it's only one one part of, of major scale of habitat loss. And, and, yeah. and the interesting thing about it is like, you know, these mining companies, they there's like a range of like large companies and smaller companies. Mm, mm. Large companies they tend to have you know, they do their EIAs, right? Their EIAs. I mean, you can't run away. They have biodiversity management plans. Yeah. Uh, small companies don't necessarily have that at all. Mm, you mm, know. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, even with some kind of mitigation, even with some yeah. kind of management, yeah, these ecosystems are so unique and so diverse. Can that you even justify that? Even right? with that mitigation, yeah. you are still losing so much exactly. biodiversity. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Like I think sometimes people talk about mitigation, like it's it saves everything. Exactly. But it doesn't. It's it's literally to mitigate. Like you actually have a bad thing to mitigate. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so you I have. Mean, it's not like oh um thing you know. Yeah, no more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't you, work that problem way. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. even even if you mitigate, you just you you are losing it already. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. not what what it is. And and I think. I think the com- the line as to when places are well assessed, I think mm-hmm. that's hard to decide also, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there are always op- opinions on both sides, but I find it hard to justify some very, very unique ecosystems, like you said, with cast. Yeah. yeah. I guess regardless of ecosystem, one other thing that always kind of weighs heavily on my mind is mm. the illegal wildlife trade. Oh my god. Yeah. Dude, do you know that people think that it's just all this like old uncles and old aunties who are like 
oh, if I drink this powder, suddenly my health will be damn strong and I'll never like sneeze ever again, that kind of thing. Tongkat Ali, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but you think, you think it's like far away, but it's not. Like, I, my friend just told me, you know, like he was just showing me, it's on Telegram. Yeah. There's a whole group for exotic like animals and wildlife trees. Exotic and, and, pets and Yeah, exactly. Right? And, yeah, and yeah. it's not just like your tigers and all that kind of stuff. They're like birds, they're like lizards. I know people are into this kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's on carousel. It's, it's, it's right in front of us. It's not, it's not that far. We're not that far from it. No, I, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, all. the wildlife trade, a lot of it, the demand for it comes from all over the world, truly. All over. But a lot of the supply comes from Southeast Asia. Yeah. Right? Because it generates an income. It People, technically speaking, who who need the income can help. And But the thing is that what are we losing? You know what I mean? Is this the best way for them to earn their income? Not say like, like, like realistically, of course, yeah. there, there's a whole conversation about like social systems and all that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. what are we losing you know for that health that powder can give you I don't know. Uh, and I mean even that there's no actual scientific backing exactly, it, yeah. exactly. Uh, and, and like you know we haven't even started talking about like pet trade for example my god you know? uh, yeah. so much of the pet trade all is, the birds all the pretty pretty birds uh, or like you know like your yeah. critically endangered Bornean earless monitor right? beautiful lizard it's yeah. like this orange coloured lizard with like brilliant blue eyes these monitor lizards critically endangered in Borneo and they just somehow randomly show up in reptile expos in Germany, in the US. How do they get there? Yeah, it, there's exactly. there's unprecedented like supply from from Southeast Asia of all places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess there is like a push to improve. There are all this education and awareness and yeah. and efforts going on. It's it's just that the threat to biodiversity loss is just coming in from all corners. It's coming from the loss of habitat. It's coming from like mining activities. It's coming from like, it's just coming from everywhere, you know? <laughs> There's so much There's pressure. So much. On... And the funny thing is that climate change is like, it's like so big, but like for, in, when, it, when it comes to biodiversity loss, climate change <laughs> might Southeast be like, Asia, right? in Southeast Asia, climate change might be like, the smallest out of, <laughs> oh, right, the smallest threat out of them. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's yeah. not as fast as as clearing a, a forest or like mining a whole ecosystem that exactly. quickly in the, one day in like... The it, rate of yeah. habitat loss that we are seeing in Southeast Asia is so bad yeah. that it actually dwarfs climate change as a potential threat. Mm. You know? Yeah, uh, it's so weird. And, and these and are like so true. based on professional risk assessments, you know, yeah, from, from actual exactly. scientists who study these things. So it is, it is quite scary but at the same time it's a easy problem because we know what the problem is we know what the cause of these yeah. uh, you know like you know, we know what causes habitat loss we know, we know there's the demand for something and yeah. so these yeah. supply chains drive a certain kind of exploitation mm. Uh, mm. we know that there's a demand for exotic pets we know that there's yeah. a demand for yeah. you know, traditional medicine yeah. and so that drives a certain kind of exploitation of resources yeah. uh, really the only consistently good way to to solve all of this, you know, in one fell swoop is having good legislation. Yes, you know? protecting, protecting protecting our current things, our the habitats, having, you know, your patrols, making sure there's no poaching and And studying the, the supply chain of these Studying the supply chain is actually, so important. Yeah. Because it's not just one person that, that's causing this for sure. It's a whole system. It's a whole system it that is, relies yeah. on each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and understanding that is it's so horribly complex. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it, in a weird way, it comes down to like basic economics even. Yeah, some things. Yeah, like <laughs> where, you, where you're just looking at like demand and supply Yeah, uh, to try and understand how, you know, the demand for something affects yeah, know, exploitation exactly. of resource. And I hope we yeah. get it down soon because, you know, you know, the funny thing is that I was so shocked. Like, I remember in one of our class, apparently tigers exist in, in Singapore before and yeah. I was like, 
what? Like, like, and I'm, I'm still sad to this day that I haven't seen like a tiger in Singapore before, but that was like 1930, right? Like 1930s. Yeah, the last tiger was, was a long shot time in ago. And like, yeah. there's this saying that my my senior in, in my undergrad days always used to say mm. that when it comes to like building new buildings and then like make, and then when we have like a historical building with like, oh, all this, all this history, all this, all this heritage, we are so concerned about like preserving it, about can we work around it? There's so much effort, you know, to not demolish it but when it comes to like a forest or like a coral reef that can be like thousands of years old. And there's so much intangible benefit to having exactly. it Exactly. Yeah. And it is, it is part of our heritage. It, it is. is part of our storytelling. It's part of our narratives. It's part of our memories. You know, maybe not you and I, but it's, it is part of... Yeah. yeah, but it's not about who's living now, right? It's about it's about the, the land's history. Mm. It's about all, all these bigger thing, things that are bigger than us that, that I, I don't see why we can't apply the same level of appreciation Mm. Um, to that than to you know like just buildings and, and whatnot. yeah yeah I don't really want to be in that taxi driver situation I don't want to 60 be years either. from now where I'm telling some kid you know yeah I used to see these animals and I knew what was causing them to go yeah <laughs> but I guess sucks to be you you can't see them anymore yeah I guess maybe the <laughs> uncle was also kind of feeling like a bit bittersweet because he can't see it now either you know yeah, his I, landscape has changed I wonder maybe. if he did yeah. I wonder also yeah. but to be fair at that point in time the, this whole conversation about why like oh the fact that biodiversity is being lost or like there are drivers of biodiversity loss it happens so slowly that you don't even know yeah it and then now that we're aware I think if we were actually in his situation 60 years later I think we would be like time times 10 set yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. we kind of know yeah. being aware is the first step for sure yeah and I think the next step is just lobbying for actual yeah. change. I mean, like, who's going to speak up for the biodiversity? Who's going to speak up for the animals? The, 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 the people just... who are elected to do that. Exactly. Yeah, they, yeah. Were, they are the ones who have to to say that this is, you know, this there's value and I'm protecting it. <laughs> exactly. So, like, stay out. You yeah. know, that kind of thing. They have to do it. And yes. and I think it also starts from, like, like people like you and I just understand when, it, when you talk about cement, it's cement is everywhere but we have no idea where it comes from, you know? Yeah. I have no idea where... Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. We, we we need to educate ourselves about where yeah. these yeah. these these materials are coming from and, and become responsible consumers. Yeah. Yeah. On, on, I mean, I, I'm not one for individual action, uh, but I do think that yeah. collectively we need to realize where you know commodity like that exactly we, it comes from. We shouldn't and take it for granted. Some as well. information is not not easy to find. Yeah. Yeah. Like like for example, like semen, but people who are in power, people who are in those like places. You know, to to learn a bit more about the impacts and and maybe in their own way try and find solutions to manage around it. I think that's more powerful than than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, we we get to see the lizard. What's the lizard called again? Bonian Illus Monitor. Yeah. Soon and in more <laughs> numbers. <laughs> Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Climate Cheesecake. Go follow us. To find out more about the references mentioned in this podcast, check out Climate Cheesecake on Instagram and additional links and references can be found on our website, outwave.studio slash climatecheesecake. <laughs>